Thanks for joining us for season nine of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Brand Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. And Jimmy, I got to tell you, I'm exhausted. You want to know why I'm exhausted? You're still feeling it from New Year's, aren't you? Still feeling it's, it. It's not just, it's a, Jimmy, Christmas. It's just been a whirlwind. It was every night. It was partying, going out, entertaining. New York was a buzz. It was it was drinking. It was eating. The restaurants were popping. The streets were popping. I mean, you and I were busy. We had our holiday party. B-Works was jumping. It, it was just crazy. And then, and then right into New Year's was crazy. It's just, it's just been a nonstop party. I am so excited for 2023. And I got to tell you, Jimmy, and there's only one thing on my mind for 2023. You want to know what it is? What, what might that be? Jimmy, it it's, all, it's all about Boom. Boom, boom. has officially boom. launched, Jimmy. Boom. boom is there. I want everybody right now, stop what you're doing, turn off the podcast, and go whoa, to whoa, Boom. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. Don't, don't turn off the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> it's not Keep good listening it's not good to the us. podcast while you're driving. Yeah, we'll, Take we'll your phone that. out while driving because I believe in oh, texting no. while driving. No, no, Take out no. your phone and go to Boom.store while driving. And, Jimmy, while you're driving your car listening to this podcast, you can go onto Boom.store and find the best technology solutions to run your restaurant while driving your car, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I love that we, the restaurant tours and folks can find the best in class tech and innovation to help them in their restaurants. But let's let's not do that while driving, folks. You know, let, Don't do let, it. Anyway, let's, listen, let's, let's, I am excited, Jimmy, because yes, Boom.store is live. You know, we have just, over – yeah, go. I, I think you just like saying the word boom. I think you like saying boom. Fun. Who doesn't like it? The boom is a fun word to say. And honestly, Jimmy, we have over 450 tech companies now on the platform. Jimmy, with another 300 coming on, there's 750 incredible technology solutions in every vertical to help you run your business. Jimmy, do you know what it costs a restaurant operator to use boom? Really? Even in season nine, we're still going over this shit? Okay, what's it called? Sounds very expensive. Very expensive, I tell you. Jimmy, it's zero. Now zero. that is a boom. <laughs> that, right? is a bar- that is a bargain. Shanti, how do we make money selling it at zero? I don't know. I don't know, Jimmy. I guess volume. Is that what volume, you told me? Volume. Go with volume. volume. That's Jimmy, right. listen. Enough right. with my shameless yes. plug on boom. Yes, yes, we got yes. a great show and a great guest. Take it away. We do. This is super fun because we get to kick off the new year, kick off season nine, and we get to bring on one of our good friends and partners, Mr. Fraser Nagy, CEO of Tables. We get to bring on one of our partner company CEOs to launch season nine. This is exciting. We're excited to have you join us. But Fraser, before we let you finally get involved in the podcast, we've got to go go into our first segment. It's Trivia Tuesday. Um, for all longstanding listeners, they know not to confuse that with Taco Tuesday. It's Trivia Tuesday. Um, being that our podcasts are released on Tuesdays, we introduced this segment last year, last se- last season, I should say. Big success. Each week, we'll have a fun trivia question about our guest. But here's the catch. You'll have to tune in to the end of the episode to find out the answer. So this week's Tuesday Trivia, we're going to play the game Two Truths and a Lie. 
I like that. Two truths and a lie. Um, Shatsy, if you say don't know that, the- Say that 10 times fast, Jimmy. I cannot, my friend. I could not, even if I was sober. Couldn't do it. Um, if you don't know how it works, I'm going to list three facts about our friend Frazier. Two of them are true. One is false. Here we go. Number one, Frazier grew up on a farm in Canada that was the site of a spurned lover gone mad murder. That's a serious, that's a serious statement right there. Um, Canada, site of a spurned lover gone mad murder. Fact number two, Frazier traveled. That sounds spooky. Very spooky. He has traveled to, uh, to over 100 different companies. Did I read that is right? That or countries that, or companies? I, I, sure I think that probably – I'm like, what's his name? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Anchorman. I'll just read what's on the teleprompter. No, I'm going to rephrase that. Frazier has well, traveled – Well, fuck yourself, over, Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? Okay. Frazier has traveled over 100 different countries, I'm pretty certain, is what that was supposed to be. And third and final, true or false, we don't know yet, truth or lie – Frazier dated a reality TV star. Okay. Murder mystery, uh, 100 different countries. I'm hoping number three is true because I can't wait to hear that. All right. So remember, you have to stay to the end of the episode to find out which two are true, which is the lie or untruth. And okay, now let's get into it. Frazier, I know you're questioning why you you let yourself get booked on this, but here we go. You take the lead, a little background about yourself, and of course, your best pitch on tables. Amazing. Jimmy, great to see you. Shotzi, great to see you as well. Um, <laughs> great, great start to the new year. And uh, I love the energy. That's great. And, and you know, Shotzi, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about encouraging operators to begin their onboarding process uh, while driving. On while driving. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on your side on that. Because as, as someone who wants restaurants to implement, you know, what, like no time better than the present, you know, like let's do it right now. Well, why kick that can? Well, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, really excited to to kick off the year with you guys, and uh, and yeah, I got lot. We got lots to talk about today. So, uh, yeah, lots. To talk dude, about. that was a. I got to tell you, that was one of the best introductions I've ever heard. And um, and we're, listen, we are going to take a really deep dive into uh, into tables because uh, it's a really interesting story. But before we do, let's just take a deep dive into Frazier. I love it. Okay, you're going to see into my into my soul, Shotzi. Yes. Yeah, yes. I want to know how, how how did you get started? You are now the CEO of a hospitality tech company. How did you get there? Where? What was your first job? How did you get? Uh, were you in hospitality first? What? Tell us a little bit about how you got here and how you got the tables. Big time. Uh, you know, I think like a lot of successful founders and a lot of people in our in our space that make this jump, it's because we started in the industry. Uh, I was I was thirteen. Family friend got me working as a banquet uh, server at a golf course for for you know weddings and and you name it after 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 play banquets. So uh, you know, I've just been in the industry my whole life, um, from from busing to dishwashing. Uh, did a little bit of even prep cooking, uh, but I always had the gift of the gab. So the minute I turned 18, made a lot more sense for me to be on the floor than shopping in the back. Um, so from 18 onwards, you know, bartending and serving and in my 20s, help open up a couple of restaurants with some friends as well. So you name it, I've done it in the space. And, uh, and you know, this Tables is my, my second main restaurant venture. Uh, and the first one I started with literally just $18,000 I'd saved up of my, my server tip money at one point, which I thought at 25 was a lot of money, but uh, it's certainly not enough to get a tech company off the ground. Let's put it that way. Well, I, I love it. I, I, yeah, go ahead, Jimbo. Uh, all three of us, bar, all three bartenders. 
Yeah, I just love when I just love when you have a restaurant operator turn techie because yes. who better to know what restaurant operators need or, or or can't find out there than a restaurant operator. A little no, little uh, less known fact: a lot of our CEO partners, partner uh, CEOs of our partner companies, are are industry folks. Grew up, cut their teeth in the industry, and I love that they're the ones leading the technology revolution. All right, listen, our longtime listeners know that we love. Love good breaking news moments. Which don't tell me we have breaking news, Jimmy. Please well, don't more often than more often than not, it's usually actually sharing old news that we just kind of position in a new way. But today, because it is special, here we are kicking off the new year, kicking off season nine, and we have the pleasure of truly breaking real news as of tomorrow. Tables is relaunching their brand as they graduate from MVP, the minimal viable product, to the full-fledged branded platform, Fraser. Can you share a bit of this exciting evolution from startup perspective and some of the new features you have launching in 2023? Absolutely. And I, you know, for us, brand and and design is just such at the center of what we do. And that's not always the case for restaurant technology. Um, I think often it's overlooked, but we have spent really created a culture here of a design centric culture. So for us, for tomorrow, this is a, this is many months in the making. And this is something that's really, really important because we are taking the tables brand and really turning it into, to this beautiful, mature, um, you know, website platform and, and digital ecosystem that, that is really going to transform as you two know, you know, this is going to transform restaurants uh, to its core, their ec- economics uh, full stop, but really the guest experience. And you need a brand that is mature and beautiful to help tell that story. And what we often like to say, and I know we'll get into it more uh, in this conversation, but we're building something far closer to an Airbnb than another knockoff open table. And with that, it means you need a, you need a full, full like plethora of design thinking that that's embedded in, into the, into the product and into the platform. So we're really, really excited for tomorrow and we can't wait for everyone to go to tables.com and, and our other partner restaurants to check out the new feel. I, I got to tell you, that is super, super exciting. But before we go any further, let's just give our listeners a little bit of restaurant one-on-one or just actually it's not even restaurant one-on-one, just a little bit of um, de- definitions here to dissect the differences between, I know a lot of people, we talk about virtual kitchens and dark kitchens and ghost kitchens and everybody confuses them all. So now a lot of people, the big buzz is dynamic pricing, surge, (laughs) surge pricing, premium pricing, all these different things. And then of course, there's a nice term that we also call revenue management. So can you just tell us a little bit of what's the difference between dynamic pricing and revenue management? Yeah, revenue absolutely. management sounds really nice. Dynamic pricing sounds a little scary. Well, rev- <laughs> revenue management is the big thing. It's 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 the it's what all of those other terms you described fall underneath. So, revenue management is you know really the combination of premium seating, which is one element, with dynamic pricing. So, when you add those things together, you get revenue management. And you know this is a big part of of my life and our and our our thesis and our belief about this industry is that we quite simply are the last industry in the world to do revenue management. And if you go back to actually American Airlines in 1980, they were the very first to do it. You know, they had, their, they had premium seating already. They had first class, they had comfort plus, but then they brought in the very original pricing algorithm, which is dynamic pricing to help 
price flights based on supply and demand. And from I there, they, Sa- I think that was Sabre. Uh, in in the eighties. Yeah, no, am I wrong? Like Maybe the I'm the, the tech. I, 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 no, Chad, just own it and say you're right because neither Fraser I are in a position to correct you. Where's where's the okay. fact check? Where's the fact checker on this podcast? Where's the fact checker? Google you need it, Jimmy. <laughs> Someone should create a platform for that. They really should. Listen, I want to I want to jump into this conversation. First of all, um, full disclosure to our listeners: um, Tables is one of Brandon's partner companies. Uh, we are a stakeholder in the company. Um, we're very proud of that. And and I have to tell you, when we announced that um, investment, I think I don't think another tech company had gotten the enthusiasm from our hospitality network as much as tables did because um and this is a you know a phrase that that i'm enjoying the diversification of revenues okay and what could be a better example than the table upgrade okay um this exists as you as as phrase you just said exists in basically every other business or most other businesses the idea that you could you could step up for better and here we go this will forever be important because there's no cost of goods it's just straightforward for the operator straightforward profit i think that's a very good segue to share and what you're doing at tables is not building a reservation platform but solving a real issue a real headwind a real problem so fraser can you share a little bit more about how tables is different than you know our, our long-standing friends at open table our friends at resi how are you actually working with these platforms but how are you different we did, excuse me, Jimmy, we did just get a note from our fact checker. Our yep. producer, Julie Zucker, has just informed me, this is breaking news, the initial development of dynamically adjusted pricing pricing is accredited to Mr. Robert Crandall, if you remember, the old CEO of American Airlines, as a response to the rise of discount airline People's Express in the 80s. If you remember, People's Express. I called it People's Distress. But anyway, there you go. It was... So it's dynamically adjusted pricing. Well, I think DA, I, DAP. I, I'm so happy that you cleared up the uh, the fact that you actually brought into the conversation, but I don't want to lose the momentum. I got no. I got Fraser about to lean in on open table resi, how you different, how you work with these platforms. Every one of our listeners knows about open table and resi, and here we go, tables. Well, you know, Open Table, Resi, Seven Rooms, you name it, these platforms are our table management systems. And that's first and foremost really important. You know, the, the, these are operating systems for a restaurant, and we do not compete with those systems whatsoever. In fact, Tables actually pairs with these systems to help facilitate this upgrade, this premium upgrade, and help help these restaurants get to, to revenue management. So restaurants will always need their table management system of, of choice, Jimmy. And what we say is we work with Open Table to pen and paper. Um, whatever you want to use because you can manage your floor how you want to do it. And those platforms, you know, their extension from table management to reservations is they put, you know, a, a widget on your website or on Google that just enable a guest to, you know, simply pick Tuesday at 7 p.m. and drop down. But that's the extent. And this is what's really got me over the last 20, 25 years. Like that, that is the extent of the user interaction with, 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 your, with your restaurant. Right? How boring is it when we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, renovating these restaurants, creating these beautiful spaces with this specific type of service flow, and then my first interaction as a guest is just a drop-down widget that I can pick 6 p.m. or 8 p.m.? I find it incredibly boring. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I agree. I agree. So there's two sides to this as we talk about it. First is the economics part, as you alluded, the fact that every upgrade comes at no cost of goods. So that $20 when someone books or that $30, that at, at zero cost of goods can be worth more than the bill 
to the operator because yeah. Yeah. so is is your model that you make it up in volume as well just like our boom model <laughs> That you have no revenue model and you make exactly. it. No, no, actually, actually Tables does, Tables has a good revenue oh, model. Do you have a better model than us, Jimmy? They got is, a better mouth chat. We're going to talk to Frazier about it. About it. I was going to say, Shatsy, I, I'm pretty sure every uh, 100 times zero equals 100, right? That's how math works, right? Volume, just keep... keep know, Jimmy's finance guy. Money. I leave everything to him when it comes to that kind of stuff. Right. He's great at math. <laughs> He's smart. <laughs> Not dumb. Not dumb. I get what it says. There's my Fredo. So... That's the one side, of course, the economics piece. But from the guest service component, you know what what can Open Table, what can Resi do, really do for that that guest service side of of picking that table? And something that I love to say, Jimmy and Chats, is that who you're dining with and why you're dining dictates where you want to sit. So yes. when I'm going out for dinner with with my mother, I want to sit at a very different table than when I'm on a date. Than when I'm with five friends trying to find a booth for a certain type of occasion, or ten friends trying to find a TV view. But think of how, you know, as an industry, we pride ourselves. Every general manager I've ever worked with sits me down before pre-service and says, guys, we're in the hospitality business. We're here to make our customers happy. Yet we, in 2023, can't even match make the table with the type of experience our guests are looking for. That is low, like low, low hanging fruit. And as an industry, we got we to gotta get there. We got to move, move to that level of, of basic guest personalization. I love it. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, we we've been using tables in our New York City restaurants. Um, I, I certainly is is as long as you've been around that you expose it to us. So it's been quite a while and we loved it. And it's one of the reasons that we, as Jimmy said, as that we we did become a partner and invested with you guys because we loved it on the restaurant side. And, and I think our guests, I mean, it's a fact. As I look at it, the guests are absolutely loving it, especially on um, on the holidays and things like that. I noticed Thanksgiving. I noticed already on Christmas, people are not only just booking reservations. They want to pick their table because it's a special occasion, and usually they're with special people. It's not just a, just an, a, a regular old dinner. So we as an operator love it. The guests are loving it. But as always, I think, you know, we go back to Open Table. Open Table was really the first, I think, arguably the first company to change the behavior of customers in our industry. And that's about 23 years ago when they offered the ability for a customer to go and make a reservation online, which was, you know, you had a call before and, you know, today nobody wants to call, but you had to make a phone call and and someone at the front desk would answer and you'd try and book a table that way. And they changed the behavior that now you can just go online, use your phone, et cetera. So I think the challenge now is, not so much the consumer. I think you got to get uh, operators to embrace this change. That guests are ready for this change. So, what kind of what are you doing to try and change the behavior of both the operators and the consumer? That this is the new normal. Pick your table. Not just I want to eat at yeah, that yeah. restaurant. I want to pick where I'm sitting. Like. When I go away, I want a beachfront view or I want the garden view room. I want more leg room. I want to sit up front. Jimmy likes extra everything on a plane, <laughs> extra leg room, extra way. He like, you know, but, you know, even an Uber, when it's snowing out or Lyft, if it's snowing out, you know, they they say it's, it's two and a half times. You don't have to take that car if you don't want to. You can walk in the snow, you know. So how do we change the behavior on all sides to 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 understand this better? You know, I, I, absolutely. And, and- you know, the, the first thing I think you hit the nail on the head, this is not being held back by consumers, not by diners. People want this. They've wanted this a long, long time. You know, we can go back to just 
you know, funny examples of movies like the, you know, the Goodfellows slip slipping that twenty fifty dollar bill mm-hmm. to get that table we want. We, you know, we've been doing this um, ad hoc. That was for- Table's earliest earliest exactly. uh, iteration was slipping a twenty to the Maitre D. Yes. Of course, we've always, you know, the joke I like to say is, is you know, Fraser Nagy and Tables did not invent premium seating. You know, people paid more money to sit closer to the gladiators than they did, you know. So so this has been around forever. <laughs> it, the difference is it has to be done correctly for restaurants because, you know, we are so nuanced in how we run our operations and, and, and how we want to run our dining rooms in every now think of think of the airline industry example again. Yeah, you know, certainly there is differences between Delta and American Airlines as an example, but not nearly as much as one restaurant to another restaurant on how we've designed them, how the seating, how the flows. We are very differentiated, which actually lends to to tables because the more differentiated the seating is, the the, the better it you know works for our system and works for the restaurant. So when it comes to the perception of the diners, well, it's been there. But for the operators, you know, change is hard. The way I like to see it, think of these first 100 restaurants. You guys, you're, you're, you're like the first 100 Uber drivers. You're like the first 100 Airbnbs. You know, the very founder's mother of Airbnb, you know, famously they wrote, would, wouldn't stay in Airbnbs because she thought it was creepy to stay in a stranger's house, right? Change is tough. And we know that, that operators aren't just going to snap their fingers overnight and, and, and start understanding how powerful revenue management is. But it starts with great operators like you guys leading the way and showing that this is okay, this is easy to do, this doesn't, this doesn't change how we run our operations, this is actually enhances what we do. And I think as the messaging breaks and as, we, as more and more people realize that, that, as you guys said, this is actually a net positive, not just economically. Of course, we're all making money on this system. But people want this because they want to enhance their experience. They want to enhance the experience of the people they're bringing to dinner. And, you know, we built these dining rooms for that very reason. Not every table is equal and not every guest experience is equal. And so the closer we get there, I think the easier it will be for operators just to, to, to make this switch. Because, again, it just works with their existing system. Just like you guys, like, boom, it's free to join. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful good uh, plug there for you, Jimmy and Shots. Yeah. No, I got to tell you, I agree. And I just wanted to add one thing. I think today we hear a lot about because um, – off-premise food delivery has become so just such a part of our culture today. All over the world, people can get anything they want to deliver to their house, um, you know, relatively quickly. Uh, and I think one thing we hear from a lot of people today, if I'm going to leave my 85-inch Samsung TV in 4K and get off my couch and go out, it has to be an experience. It has to be experiential. And I think this is very complimentary to that. This is just adding to the experience. Not only am I going out to a great restaurant, I'm picking the exact spot I want to be in that restaurant to have that experience that I want. I am just, we are super excited about it. So Jimmy, I know that you've got a great, I know you've got a question. Yeah, I, I do. And I, I just want to um, continue from where you left off, um, particularly what Frazier said. What I love about tables is you're not telling people what, what's a good or a, a, an otherwise table because it's their preference. As you said, when you're dining with your mother, you're dining on a date, you have a business dinner, you get to express your opinion because what you need on any given night. So I love that. I respect, I should say that the reservation platforms allow you to do just that reserve a table table allows you to select and have that immersive experience. So you know what you're getting and what's available to you um, as you're making your book. And I think that's what truly is differentiating and, and, and so special, but, but I have a two, part question for you now, Fraser. Part one, oh, um, you know, I've been warned, 
I've been warned um, more than a few times that sometimes I may or may not like to stir the pot. So, um, but I've never shied away from stirring the pot. So here we go. Um, my question falls into two categories for tables. One, economic and guest services. Let's talk the economic first. Most restaurants don't have revenue issues. They have profitability issues. And yet you say, who is against helping operators make more money? Can you elaborate on that, please? Yeah, big time. The, you know, the first part of that, the revenue question is, I think, you know, for the last 20 years in particular, we've heard this expression, we need bums and seats, bums and seats, right? How many times have you heard that? Yes. And, and of course, we don't want empty restaurants here. But in New York, that Chicago, would be very bad for business. Empty very restaurants bad for business. Are bad for business. Even I know that. But we haven't had empty restaurants for years. You, you, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night in, in, in Toronto, in, in, in Chicago, in Miami, New York, it doesn't matter. These major cities are slammed. Try getting a reservation on a Saturday night. So this perception that we that bums and seats is the only thing that matters for an op- operator is, um, is, is just not true. So we have a fundamental profitability issue in this industry. And, and that is something that is core to, to what we're addressing. Mm-hmm. But when you look at tables, it's going to be so easy for for certain pundits and people to say, oh, this is just another tool for rich people. This is just another tool for rich people to, to bypass a line or get something that the average person can't get. But, but I, I would just say that's just inherently not true. We're not building another system for Exxon Mobile to be more profitable here. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the independent operators, the hospitality groups that make up this country's backbone are, are so crucial, not just to our, our employment, not just to the health and culture of our cities, but to the suppliers that we procure our, our ingredients and, and, and wine from. You know, the, we know how impactful the restaurant industry is to our economy. And we are facing a fundamental crisis of profitability even before we were hitting seven, eight percent inflation numbers post COVID. So, you know, for us, you know, we think at, at at this stage, anyone that thinks that helping a restaurant's bottom line is a bad thing really has to has to have a reality check because this industry is just so so important for for our, our communities and our economy. I think that was very, very well said. But I said I had a two-part question. I started with the economic, and I think you've answered it very, very eloquently. Now let's move on to guest services. We all have our neighborhood joints where the managers and servers know our names, our families, you know, how we like our drink poured, our steak cooked. But Fraser, your take is that the industry really respectfully doesn't know jack um, uh, about us. And the operators are really kind of playing a game of roulette uh, with guests, and they've been doing it for decades. I find that to be a really interesting comment, so I would love it if you could share more on that. Yeah, you know, no one likes it when uh, some bright-eyed kid comes through your dining room and tells you that they uh, they can run your restaurant better, right? So so we, we get that. No, no one, and Tables isn't claiming to do that. Tables is simply asking a question to operators. And if I had one mission for 2023 is that after you've come on our website, after you've seen examples of this platform in action or, or, or heard me or one of my team members talk is that you just simply turn around and look at your dining room and say, Oh, Oh crap. That, you know, that table is a unique table. That cluster of booths over there offer a different experience. And, and, and that, that patio section, we, we could actually sell or reserve that section differently. And, we need to look at our floor plans differently. We, we can't just keep thinking that every table is equal. 
And and something that I also hear all the time is from from operators is, oh well, like you know, our VIPs need that section, or our VIPs need. And and the thing is that that's absolutely correct. We have a very small subset of people. Truly, when we boil it down, if you think if you added up all of your guests at Isabel's, truly the the thousands of people that come through that front door, what percentage of them are true VIPs? People that you really know that they want cream on their side of their coffee and they want that particular table. Uh, you know, it could I was be- going to say, and then, and then how do you define VIP? I mean, is a VIP someone who eats with you twice a week and spends a lot of money? Or is a VIP like, you know, George Clooney, uh, you know, that just happens to be in town. And it's really cool. You know, it's, it's, it's to me, it's uh, for a restaurant operator. I mean, uh, someone who spends a lot of money in my restaurants, really my true VIP. Absolutely. And, and to, to Jimmy's, you know, point earlier, well, do we even know, what seat they want to sit at and and when because depending on when they come in and who their dining room cha- uh, who they're dining with changes where they want to sit so the thing is we're just I, I feel so many times the the restaurants I've managed the restaurants I've I've manned the door you know we're just we're just guessing we're just shooting in the dark half the time and we're just telling ourselves what maybe we want to hear around our guest services but ultimately the enabling our customers to, to have that insight into our dining room and to make that easy is actually just such a huge net positive for, for our guest services. And I think, again, operators and hostesses and hosts and maitre d's, you know, we just have to look at those guests coming through front door very, very differently going forward. And, you know, we want to we wanna enable, you know, these restaurants to look at those customers, save their information differently and offer just a, a whole new way that they can, can make their customers happy. I think Fraser gave a longer answer than Jimmy ever could have. I've heard of. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was longer. I, I don't know if it was somebody. longer, but it was better. I will say that it was better. It was more concise. It was more informative. And I'm, uh, I say that out of respect for my friend Frazier. Jimmy, I got to tell you, I've never seen you so enamored with, uh, with an answer before. I mean, it's just to, to shut Jimmy up. Let me tell you something, Frazier. It takes a lot. Because Jimmy yeah. likes to talk. Uh, that's not me talking. That's that's everybody. Anyway, listen. Let's jump into the food service feud. This is this is a segment where that we every every um, every week on LinkedIn we have a poll. We have a lot of fun with it. We ask all different questions about the food service and hospitality space. Could be about food. Could be about restaurants, trends, etc. Um, so we ask over. I mean, it's I don't even know the number, but it's it's well over two three hundred thousand. Uh, people on LinkedIn <laughs> respond to this poll. It's it's really it's incredible on LinkedIn what what the traction we get. So uh, I'm going to challenge Jimmy and Fraser. You're going to challenge each other in the food service feud. Are you ready? I'm ready. All I'm right. Ready. We asked over 14 billion people on LinkedIn <laughs> one question, and the top four answers are on the board. Jimmy and Fraser, which chain? Restaurant makes the best French fries. Go. Ding. I Jimmy. Was giving, I was giving Fraser a chance to participate, but I got to tell you, I feel very Fast. confident. Mickey D's, McDonald's. Yeah, it's got to be McDonald's. Big, 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 big Jimmy on the first go. Yes. The number one answer on board, McDonald's. Fraser, do you care to guess number two? Number two. According to the survey. Sorry, sir. Uh, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I had Shake Shack recently. There, it was. It was pretty tasty. I still say five, five guys. Number five one. guys. Number two. Five guys. Five guys is number two. Shake yeah. Shack is on the board. Frazier at number four, and Chick Fil A is number three. So it is McDonald's. And thank you guys for playing the food service feud. Jimmy, you want to know what you won? 
uh, order French fries from McDonald's. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Jimbo. Courtesy of our sponsor. Oh, we don't have a sponsor, Jimmy. I can't say that. I can't say I've been warned by the FCC. We cannot say that. So yeah. uh, that's just courtesy of me to you. We retired Chico. So, uh, but it's all right. I, I think we got a, I think we got a plan. All right, listen, we're moving on to our crystal ball moment, a chance where we have our guests put on their Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future, the future. Frazier, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? Well, I think the trends we saw pre-pandemic are going to continue. So I think the the move towards fast casual and, and innovations in delivery are at, you know, absolutely here and, and not going anywhere. But I think to Shasti's point earlier, people, when they want to go out, sit down and dine, we're looking for higher and higher elevated experiences. And that doesn't necessarily mean Michelin. It just means the quality of the type of experience we're sitting down has to be there. Um, from a technology perspective, this is something we've been thinking a lot about. And it's really the cross-section between, you know, POS and reservations and that really in-depth information around on around your person like your your personal information around what you like so you know something that we'd love to see and certainly we want to be a part of is, is helping you know our the data we're collecting on where you'd like to sit and, and different things actually continue to integrate into table management systems like open table and resi because I, I think the more information that is at the immediate fingertips of an operator is only going to improve our industry so um, I think those are that's where it's going in the next two years. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I do. And I got to tell you, to your point, it's when we talk about experiential, I, it's, don't get that confused with expensive, high-end Michelin dining. It's You see that that new putter concept, putt shack, putter shack, something like that. Uh, there's the dark, Jimmy, the dark concept we were in oh, Chicago. Yeah, uh, we had that. Yeah, the flight, the, the, there was the flight axe, club, flight club, flight club. The, there was the axe throwing thing we went yes. to. That also, I mean, there's all the, the the movie theaters with eating and there's just all these different experiences that are certain. You know, it's food and beverage related, but so it's not just fi- it's not about fine dining. It's just it's an experience to get you out of the house. To your point, anyway, uh, Jimmy, take it back to the trivia yes. Tuesday because yes. I cannot wait to get into this because I really got to hear uh, who Fraser dated. Yes, yes, that's Trivia Tuesday. Remember the top of the episode, I shared the two truths and a lie. Shatsy, if you don't remember how it works, I listed three facts about our friend Frazier. Two are true, one's false. Here we and go. And I got the, the two right ones, Jimbo. Here we go for the recap. Frazier grew up on a farm in Canada. It was the site of a spurned lover gone mad murder. That Number is two, false. False. Number two, Frazier has traveled over 100 different countries. That is true. Frazier dated a reality TV star. I'm hoping that's true because I want to hear who it was. All right, Shatsy, you played along. Frazier, we'll let you give the answer. Uh, Shatsy, you, you didn't get it right. Uh, you, you were close. You were close. But but I'll give you some good news. The reality TV star is true. Uh, that, oh, that's yes. True. That's all right. So you didn't So you didn't travel to 100 countries, uh, but, you, but you grew up on a farm in Canada. It's true. Uh, small, small town. We've had the family farm since 1830. And in 1947, on Boxing Day, it was a my great great uncle murdered his two Jimmy's favorite his, holiday. His, by the way, you realize that? Bra- that's, yeah, it's Boxing Day. Huh? It's, that's his number one holiday. Well, oh, I want to hear go. the story. So wait, on Boxing yeah. Day, all right, all right, December 26. For those who don't know it, yeah, on Boxing Day in uh, in, in 1947, uh, my great great uncle murdered his other brothers and his brother's wife in a murder like love affair. Um, and it's still to this date, the largest 
see, this is in Canada. This wouldn't fly in New York, but still to this day, this is the largest homicide in in our in our county's history. So uh, wow. it's, it's a so you kind of have like the murderer gene in your DNA. Absolutely, you just gotta you gotta, right. you gotta, you gotta remember that. It. You gotta focus Don't energy. Piss Fraser off. He has the murderer gene. <laughs> Boy, can we? Like, uh, Chad, you were very excited. Yeah, are we gonna get to know who the reality? Obviously, is? I'm not done. I just wanted to tell you about the murderer gene in okay. Fraser's DNA. So don't piss him off. Now, who did you date? Well, it was uh, a couple years ago now, but uh, I ended up uh, running into an ex uh, a bachelor star who had been on the show. Ah, um, do tell. And uh, it was, um, you know, it was one of those definitely experiences. I didn't even have an Instagram at the Ranger, time. Was, give us her name. We just want her name. <laughs> he actually loves the bachelor and he loves the bachelorette. But we, we can we can talk offline chats. Uh, yeah, I, won't, yeah, I, won't, I, mean, I won't, Wait a minute. Wait, wait, I can't have the name. I mean, Fraser, I just, Shatsy, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's he'll he'll yeah. tell the story, but there's no kissing and telling. There's no there's no there's no name give up. But you know, The Bachelor and Bachelorette are like two of my favorite shows outside of The Bachelor in Paradise, which is my third favorite show. I mean, all right, we'll take it offline. I can't wait. Once I tell Jillian that I know somebody who dated. A bachelorette. I mean, she's going to go bananas. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. This particular person I met after the fact, but she was actually proposed to on live television for on The Bachelor in Paradise. There you go. Wow. There you go. Wow. I feel, I feel, like, I feel like that's really not a very hint because I feel like that happens on every Is it every season? I don't, maybe. Yeah, I think every season somebody gets proposed. I, I still haven't watched the show, anyway, believe it or not. Listen, I love it. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait to find out. And uh, I'm going to pull up some names uh, and, and we're going to throw some guests out there. But listen, before we get before we end this podcast, which has just been unbelievably fun, I want to go to the best segment in all podcasts, in all history. The metrics just came out from Nielsen's. I'm looking at them here in front of me. And it says the branded hospitality hangout is now the number two rated uh, food service hospitality podcast in the entire world. And according to Nielsen, the branded quickfire segment is the number one rated segment of all podcasts of all time ever in the history of all podcasting, going back to uh, the early Roman times, as you alluded to earlier. Now, I'm going to ask you five lightning quickfire questions. Are you ready, Frazier? I'm ready. All right. No hesitations. Here we go. If you could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? John Stewart. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Oof. Uh, I think I'm just cooking dinner with my mom. It's holiday season. Hanging out. What is your favorite food city in the world? <sighs> I'm still going to go with Montreal. Nice. Where is your favorite place to travel? Mm, that's a that, Tofino, British Columbia. Ooh, ooh! That's, I think that's, that's perfect. We're nine, we're nine seasons in. Time. We're nine seasons in. I think we've had a Tofino, British Columbia. Yes, yes. It's the first. That's the first of the podcast. Thank you. Um, okay, here we go. This is the big one. The fifth and final question: If you were to challenge Jimmy Rye to a game of air hockey, who do you have better odds of beating? Well, I know Jimmy's a Rangers fan, um, so I'm pretty sure I could beat him. Beat him blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was more of just a brutal attack on the. Uh, now, what on was the, the Rangers Ranger fan have to do with it? I, I think it was just it's one of those uh, Montreal <laughs> one of those Montreal jokes taking a shot at one was of the it, original teams. 
Yeah, he thinks he thinks you're a Devils fan, Shatsy. He doesn't know that. Uh, he doesn't know yeah, that you're I'm not a Rangers fan. Also, yeah. Even though yeah. I was from New Jersey, I have switched over to uh, to the Rangers. But yeah, I always love air hockey. I got to tell you, uh, I'd love to play a little air hockey. It's been a while, but uh, that was great. Uh, listen, love it, love it, Frazier. Great stuff. All right, let's let's get Frazier back to work. Listen, we want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast for kicking off season nine, kick it off uh, twenty twenty three with us. Um, you know, you for sharing all your insights, and we really do love what you and the team at at, at Tables are doing. Um, and we expect to our listeners, you're going to hear and see a lot more of Tables because it is a very special platform that is going to deliver tremendous value to operators, and guests are already loving it. So we appreciate what. What you're doing hey, you want to get Frazier, what's the url sorry jimmy if you want to check out tables is it tables.com that's it t-a-b-l-z t-a-b-l-z for all you uh yes see that's the way i would normally spell because i can't spell but for people who can spell correctly it is spelled t-a-b-l-z.com check it out i gotta tell you it's really cool we, really we wanted we know. wanted to name it something, Jimmy, that we knew when Chatsy's had a couple of fashions. He's just slurred, you know, he just he's missing the es <laughs> and adding the the z in there. We just wanted to make oh. it easy. So make it easy just so you know, my spelling would be probably gets better as I drink uh, old fashions. It starts out horrible, it gets better. But thank you. Better. That's right. Listen, you want to get in touch with Fraser directly? You can email the podcast team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com. We'd be happy to make the introduction. And to our listeners, we can't thank you enough. We are literally um, blown away and appreciative that we are kicking off season nine. Um, we know there are so many podcasts uh, out there, uh, but the fact that our subscriber and members just continue to soar uh, makes us very excited uh, about the year ahead. And we'll keep working hard to bring on great guests like Fraser and great guests we'll have on our next episode as we. We welcome our friend Dave Harris, Chief Information Officer at Shake Shack. You will not want to miss that episode. So from the I entire, tell you, who are the what 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 French fries are number four on the list of the best French fries? That's right, Shake Shack, Jimmy. You're taking our guest before he even comes on. Wow. All right. There's no chance he's not going to choose you to beat on whatever game we're going to play. But listen, Frazier, thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you so much. On behalf of the entire uh, Hospitality Hangout podcast team, we appreciate you. So this is Jimmy Frischen, your finance guy, signing off, passing it back to my boy, Shatsy. Hey, restaurant guy, a.k.a. Shatsy. Thanks, everybody. And listen, uh, we are super excited about a fantastic 2023. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. Thank you.